0: You're listening to the Astro Backyard Podcast. Capture the night sky.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Astro Backyard Podcast. My name is Steve. Joining me, as always, the astrophotographer extraordinaire that he is.
0: Is Trevor Jones from astrobackyard.com.
1: Welcome, Trevor.
0: Thank you, Steve.
1: Uh, yeah, it's your podcast, too. That's right. Um, <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Um, We have a uh, a new uh, topic to talk about today, something we haven't talked about before. Um, And it's got Trevor really excited. Uh, I'm probably never going to see that camera again. Uh, Trevor wants to talk about his experience with a mono camera. I'm sure most of you have probably seen, uh, if not all of you have seen, his latest YouTube video where he's been talking about the HyperCam 183M, M for mono. And the awesome experience he's been having with it. What do you think, Trevor? Winner? Loser? It's, yeah. the winner.
0: No, it's, it's definitely a winner. I, for so, I, for so many years I shot with a color camera only uh, a one shot color. I went from a DSLR to some of the one shot color CMOS cameras that are out now. And the biggest reason why was the fact that I knew all I've ever wanted was a full color image. Early on, I wasn't even interested in narrow band shooting or anything. I'm just like, nope, just give me my DSLR, give me a full color image. Uh, not interested in piecing something together over multiple nights. And
1: uh, and, and, <laughs> and then I came in and I ruined everything.
0: Then everything changed when you came into my life, Steve. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the for the better, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So I'm definitely sold on mono imaging. There's for anyone that doesn't know. Um, the the Bayer filter in a color camera, um, while it does produce that full color image and the grat- instant gratification for you, it does reduce the overall signal that you're getting in a set exposure time. So if you shot a three-minute exposure with an RGB CMOS sensor and a three-minute exposure with a, with a mono CMOS sensor, you would get four times as much signal, which is the light and the details in the mono image each it's the only trade-off of course is that you're only getting that one color at at a time so that's why guys use filter wheels and they shoot through rgb to collect the color uh parts of the image separately um so it takes more time um on the onset but uh in the end i think you actually end up saving time because you collect more data per exposure and there's a lot of uh there's a lot of, um, conversation on the subject, but, um, for me, I'm not there yet because, uh, I don't have a filter wheel, uh, yet. Um, Was that a hint? but yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know where I'm, I could get one of these filter wheels. I don't know where, who even sells them or
1: oh. The store. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. So, um, you know, a customer of mine, uh, his name's Thomas, he's an avid listener of the podcast, um. Uh, he he um, shoots in mono. He, uh, and he has an ASI 1600. Uh, he has a filter wheel. And the one thing he had to do is um, put a light pollution filter on. Right. right And you're using a filter as well, right? I am yep. yeah even for straight luminance. there's a straight light Straight luminance. Filter. yeah so yeah. He, and he's using the new, IDIS d2 filter remember we talked about it a while ago and it was the the filter that suppresses led lights right yes um i think if he could have reached through uh facebook messenger when he told me about it he he probably would have hugged me um because he's been well he's in he where was he in the burlington area i believe and you know light pollution that's even more light
0: pollution than than i'm dealing with yeah
1: and he sent me his, his uh results of um M eighty one and M eighty two, and using that filter, he was able to able to do LRGB LRGB imaging with that filter in Burlington, and you'd swear he was in a dark sky location.
0: So impressive!
1: It's awesome. I it, it, this is the time to be alive.
0: <laughs> it's a good it's a good time to be a backyard astrophotographer in the city. That's for sure. Absolutely. Not like it used to be.
1: Yeah, and, and if you don't have that that filter that's fine because with mono you can do narrow band imaging and you cut out all the light pollution except and just capture in that one band that you that you have the filter on for hydrogen alpha o3 s2 whatever yeah Um, that
0: so that's been the bit the biggest benefit that i've seen so far is that if you're in the city shooting through light pollution Narrow band plus a mono camera is the way to go. Um, It's a little extra work putting it all together, but you can really cancel out all that the city glow that you're used to dealing with in your color one your one shot color images and a light pollution filter. the The images that are possible shooting through narrow band and a mono camera are just, you would think it's uh, they were taken by Hubble. Just the it's some of the best images I've ever seen. were were in the Hubble palette taken from you know, a city backyard.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I've seen, um, you know, you know what's really pretty, uh, narrow band and, and I've seen people take it in, in backyards within the city, um, has been the elephant trunk. Mm hmm. Um, that one really pops in HA. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, the Eagle Nebula. Uh, yes. All right. Both of them are, uh, an Eagle Nebula is in the South. Um, is it's in the South, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking the right one. Um, and where I am, uh, I even though I have a southern view, it it's just a wash in like pollution
0: because it's yeah it's too it's too low. Yeah, right. You get that you're getting the, the glow that's rising up from the city, so it's just not high enough to get away from that.
1: Right, but with narrow band imaging, once I get uh, my act together, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, I should I should be able to. Uh, uh, get something out of it. So I look forward to that. Yep,
0: it'll look right right through it. Um and of course with narrowband you can shoot during a full moon too, which means a lot more imaging time. I used to put the camera away around uh, the full moon and now it just means shooting in narrowband. So back to the 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 mono camera. Obviously right. if you're you're shooting in narrowband, um, you want to be collecting as much signal in those exposures as possible and despite what uh, against what people were telling me I was trying to do that with a color camera and it did work Uh, but I really had to layer on the exposure time to to get um, a usable amount of signal from a color camera and it was kind of it wasn't a waste of course because I was getting good images out of it with the uh, last summer with the hypercam the 183c which happens to be the color version of the mono camera I'm using now but so this summer, when uh, all that great summer Milky Way stuff in Sagittarius comes back, uh, like the Eagle Nebula and the Omega Nebula and Triffid and all that, I'll, I'll be shooting narrowband with, with a mono camera. So I'm effectively capturing four times as much uh, signal in each shot. So that's, that's pretty exciting.
1: Do you find that that would lower your exposure time? I'm not sure. Or you, well, or you, just, I, or you I, just the quality of data coming in is going to be that much more.
0: Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be more signals. So um, the same amount of noise will be coming through, of course, but more more signal. So the signal to noise ratio will be in favor of signal, which is a great place to be in. Uh, and as for like exposure time, I'm my plan was to kind of shoot similar length exposures in the three to five minute range. Uh, Maybe actually in narrow band, even much longer, maybe up to 10 minutes. Um, And then just to get that four times as much data, as opposed to saying, well, well, I have four times as much data now. I'm going to shoot, you know, a quarter of the exposure time. I just want to get as much as I can, obviously.
1: Yep. Makes sense.
0: Yeah. So as I I mentioned quickly, the, the camera is the Altair Hypercam 183M. And Steve, I believe this is one of the more affordable mono cameras on the market. I know that the, the ASI 1600 is, is is a very popular one, and this one's uh, quite a bit cheaper and for a number of reasons.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a passively cooled camera. Um, uh, it's not tech-cooled, so that, you know, you're saving a few hundred dollars there. Uh, and, and there's some debate, or passively cooled versus a tech-cooled camera, um, for those who haven't heard these terms before the passively cooled is just it's got a, a big heat sink and a fan and the heat sink is basically attached right to the back of the sensor the heat is drawn across the heat sink and the, and then the fan cools it down and dissipates the heat the tech cooled uh, which is thermoelectric charged cooling
0: cool. I I of, thought it was just thermoelectric cooling
1: thermoelectric cooling yeah yeah I should know this from my previous life. Anyways, <laughs> um, it, it is actively cooled it's using a Peltier cooler where it will basically freeze the area that it it's cooling. Right? And that's where we can get like a minus 20 or minus 40 degree drop in temperature from ambient. Uh, there's a lot of advantages to that, but there's some drawbacks as well. If the camera is... Not constructed very well, you could start getting dew and ice on the sensor itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the The new generation of ASI cameras uh, don't seem to have that issue. Um, they've made a lot of improvements to it uh, on a previous generation. Actually, and they've carried it through, so that's always good. Um, uh, but you also require uh, an additional power supply, so it's another twelve volts that you need to get for yes. for your camera. Um, in the field in the middle of nowhere, that could be a problem. Um, or you could have a really big battery that you want to lug around with you too. So uh, <laughs> it's something to consider. But with the, the passively cool camera, it doesn't require a uh, power source. So you can just power it right off USB. Um, and the HyperCam, the, the sensor that it uses, the IMX-183 is super sensitive. Uh, that you, you don't need the long exposure so the heat won't generate uh, as much on the uh, on the sensor, so you you know you're still getting very high quality data, without mm-hmm. the need of that tech cooler, and and that's been your experience, right? The data has been superior to what you get off of a DSLR, Trevor. Totally, Yep.
0: The signal to noise ratio. So when I stacked, uh, for instance, I did the Cone Nebula, and I actually put it in a recent video. It was about two hours total, which isn't very much um of of data using a, a duo narrowband filter actually and uh it was so smooth uh and that's just with subtracting darks and uh that was it actually I didn't use any bias frames or flat frames it was just stacking in 15 darks in deep sky stacker with my uh 24 uh subs and it was nice and smooth now that being said this is like you said it's a passively cooled camera and I was shooting in the what felt like the dead of winter, I think it was about minus 10 outside. So that helped too. Uh, so I'm not going to expect that kind of noise performance in the summer, but uh, it's but w- certainly, there is a big difference between a passively cooled camera and it's just a straight up DSLR.
1: But when you use the the color version in the summer, mm-hmm. uh, you notice the difference too, I think, right? Between. Oh,
0: between that and the DSLR. Yeah. Oh Yeah. I like, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even try, uh, some of the narrow band stuff that I did, uh, with the DSLR, um, HA is one thing, the clip in filter, um, with DSLR, but I mean, in the summer when all the, the, the hydrogen alpha stuff is out, it's, those are hot nights where it's like 25 to 30 degrees. And with HA, especially if it's a really uh, narrow band pass, you've got to shoot five to 10 minute subs you're just cooking your poor, uh, sensor. So, um, yeah, the passively cooled with the fan in there and the open design makes a huge difference where you can actually shoot those long exposures in the summer. Yeah. So then my plans moving forward with this mono camera are to continue shooting, um, narrow band stuff, uh, manually switching out the filters. I've got the, uh, two-inch astronomic 12-nanometer filter set for um, O3, S2, and HA. Uh, so for me to keep using those filters, I think it's a pretty expensive filter wheel, isn't it, for a, a two-inch filter wheel, Steve?
1: Yeah, a two-inch filter wheel are generally more. Um, it's a big wheel. It's a big wheel. Uh, but.
0: So I, I'm open just... to the idea of looking into just getting a new set um, of RGB Filters uh, in a filter wheel, the one and a quarter inch, and then just adding in the narrowband stuff on top. I, so what I've been doing I might, recently, I might
1: know a guy that can help you.
0: You know a guy? I know a oh, guy. Oh wow! See th- the connections we make with this podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the, what I've been doing recently with with a few mono images I have taken uh, over the past month or so is just combining that data as a, a luminance layer over my existing color images in Photoshop. I recently put uh, some data on N51, the Whirlpool galaxy uh, in mono from the backyard with just a light pollution filter. uh, And I layered that into some existing color data. And and man, it really gave my image a real punch uh, and clarity and sharpness. I can actually, I'll share that image on the uh, Astro Backyard Podcast Facebook page so you can see what I mean. So I mean, even if I even if I went all summer without adding a filter wheel, I could just I would have fun just layering in uh, luminance to all my old color images. But uh, at the end of the day, I think it's useful to either get fully on board with a mono camera, get that full signal, uh, get the signal to noise ratio on your side, and figure out the filter wheel and get that going. Or if you've got an existing color camera, perhaps like I did, look into shooting in mono as well, especially when you're thinking about narrowband.
1: How's that sound, Steve? That that sounds great to me. <laughs> if it sounds good to you, okay. Um, the one I was just going to say, you, you mentioned the Facebook page. Um, if if you're shooting in mono and you have an image you want to share, please post it up on the page. A lot of you've been doing that so far. They're awesome. There's some really awesome, awesome images that are being shared on the Facebook page, and uh, please keep it up. I love seeing them. I'm sure Trevor loves seeing them too, and you uh, love seeing them, right, Trevor?
0: Of course. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned Thomas, who's you know from our neck of the woods, and uh, did did one of his images get on the page, or you just shared that privately with me?
1: Uh. I might have sent it to you. He sent it to me. I don't remember seeing it on the page. So so Thomas okay, it, sh- get, it should be on the page. It should be on the page. Come on. Don't, don't So ha- we're,
0: we're we're calling you out. <laughs> yeah. Either you share it or we will. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Very true. We man. are admins. Yes. Um uh you know P- Peter Dunsbury Dunsby is you know constantly posting on on the, uh, our page and his stuff is fantastic. Uh, oh
0: funny you mentioned his name because he's this week's backyard of the week ooh. yeah in south africa in cape town so yeah he's been a long time astro backyard fan and astro backyard podcast so he's doing amazing work with the uh funny enough uh one shot color asi 1600 uh, mc so
1: yep i'm looking at his rig right now he posted it on our uh Facebook page too, along with some images. Um, I can see the camera. Uh, he's got the same mount as you, the HEQ5. He's got the
0: NEQ6. Is
1: it NEQ step up? Yeah. Oh, well, wow. okay. Skywatcher and I don't get along. Um, <laughs> We're recording, Steve. You know that, right? Yeah, that's fine. They can they can listen too. Um, <laughs> I didn't say anything bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, very political about it.
0: You don't get along.
1: Um, but that's okay. Uh, if anyone from skywatcher is listening, please feel free to look me up on my webpage and give me a call. Uh, we, we can, we can talk about a dealership. Um,
0: (laughs) we'll cut this part out.
1: No. (laughs) Okay. You've heard it folks. We'll cut it out. Um, uh, so yeah, get post those images on the Facebook page. Uh, keep them coming in. Um, uh, and, and if you got questions as well, post them there. Um, I will answer them. Uh, you probably won't um, like my answer and then want Trevor to, to answer it because he'll actually know what I'm talking about. Uh, the one thing, too, I mentioned about going to Neef. Uh, if anyone's going to Neef, um, look out for us. Uh, we will be there. Uh, we'll be at various manufacturers' booths. We'll be hanging out at Ioptron, Explore Scientific, Celestron, Mead. Um, we'll be. Walking around, taking in a talk, uh, and just you know that's, enjoying the show. Uh, if you see that's us, less than a month away. It's less than a month away. I'm so excited. Oh man! It's like it, me too. It's like I, I I I wake up in the morning like I did when I was four on Christmas, right? Yeah. You know, like really super early, but earlier than you need to be, and just you know, I have goosebumps now just thinking of it. I'm so excited!
0: You're, no, I know you are one hundred percent serious too.
1: Yeah, it, it it it's such an awesome event. So if you can make it there, make it there, go look for us. We'll be hanging around. I th- I think what we'll do is we'll kind of post a bit of a schedule, like, hey, we're going to be at iOptron at this time type thing, um, right? And uh, answer questions, uh, take selfies, um, uh, you name it. Um, well, not really, but uh, we'll be there. Come by and say hi. Um,
0: yep. Yeah. Just look for the guy with the super sized American USA sized coffee in his hand all day long, and that's me and then Steve looking like the four year old just looking at all the toys on Christmas morning.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep. That, that's about right.
0: That's about right.
1: Yeah, I've been saving up my money for this one too. So I'm 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 going shopping.
0: All right, right, I gotta start saving. Oh man.
1: <laughs> um so anyways. Uh, thank you once again for listening uh, and subscribing. If uh, you ha- if you know people that are not listening uh, and they should be, tell them that they should be. Tell them to subscribe. Um, uh, thank you for the support. We're looking at the uh, places we're being listened to around the world. And it's just astounding. Um, mm-hmm. It's if the if the world was truly flat and square, it would have it is every corner. Um, but we know that's not the case, so.
0: Well, no, the the flat Earth society has fans from around the globe, Steve.
1: That's that's true. Yeah.
0: So you got to remember that. But seriously, guys, uh, thank you so much for for listening this, and it's because of the response that we get, um, we see the listens and the views and the comments and on the Facebook page, and that's why we keep going. I don't think either of us thought it would be uh, this much fun to uh, to do the podcast this long. So there's no end in sight. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah absolutely. Thank you very much. Clear skies, everyone. Clear
0: skies.